The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Hello, and welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. I'm glad you could join us, and unfortunately, I'm really sorry for those of you who are looking for the show last week with Stephanie Sims. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to do it, and um, so... But hold on for next week because she's back. She's actually on the show next week. So she'll be doing her talk around stories for investors. So so not to worry, you haven't missed it. Um, but I also want to say thank you to a previous guest, Paul Smith, who was here a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about using story as a leader and as a parent. And I learned a lot. He shared a lot of stories about um, that he had found in researching his books, which are Lead with a Story and Parenting with a Story. And you can have a listen to that on the On Demand Library on the Story Powered page. But as I always tell you, don't do that just yet, because we have an amazing guest for you today. And um, I'm really excited to talk to Jim Signorelli from ESW Story Lab. Um, But we will be talking to him in a moment. We're just going to do the story of the week. So you are all probably familiar with the story of the week, but I thought it was a pretty appropriate one to bring on today. Um, I think that... um, when we're talking about branding, I love talking about branding, um, but this is one that always sits with me. So, the Emperor's New Clothes. Once upon a time, there was an emperor whose only interest in life was looking good and dressing up in fashionable clothes. He kept changing his clothes all the time so people who could admire him. One day, two consultants decided to teach him a lesson and earn lots of money from him. They told the emperor that they were very fine tailors and could sew a lovely new suit for him. It would be so light and fine that it would seem invisible. Only those who were clever would be able to see it. The emperor was very excited and ordered the new tailors to begin their work. One day the king asked the prime minister to go and see how much work the two tailors had done. He saw the two men moving scissors in the air, but he could see no cloth. He kept quiet for fear of being called stupid and ignorant. Instead, he praised the fabric and said it was marvelous. Finally, the emperor's new outfit was ready. He could see nothing, but he did not want to appear stupid. He admired the outfit and thanked tailors. He was asked to parade down the street for all to see his new clothes. So the emperor paraded down the main street. The people could only see a naked emperor, but no one admitted it for fear of being thought stupid. They foolishly praised the invisible fabric and the colors. The emperor was so happy. At last, a child cried out, The emperor is naked! Soon, everyone began to murmur the same thing, and very soon all shouted, The emperor is not wearing anything! The emperor realized the truth, but preferred to believe that his people were stupid. 
So I love this story when we talk about branding. I don't know about you, but when I was starting my business and uh, looking at branding, it's, it's so tempting to try and look clever. And um, it's, uh, it, I don't know whether you, you're trying to do that. And, and sometimes we think that we need to create stuff in order to, um, to make ourselves look better. And then it's really tempting when people don't get it to just to say, oh, they're, they're a bit stupid. So I don't know that you've had that conversation with people or with yourself as you're, as you're trying to roll out your clever ideas. I know I have. Um, but fear not. Uh, we have someone here today who will be able to help us think about building our brand with something more real, um, and and that story. And that's why I love story. I, I once I discovered story, I could really understand how how to create a genuine brand that people can connect with, so we don't end up looking like the emperor. So my guest today is Jim Signorelli. And Jim is a 35-year veteran of the advertising agency business. He started his career in Chicago and went on to work at major agencies in New York and Los Angeles before returning to Chicago, where he started his own agency 15 years ago. During his agency career, Jim worked on major accounts like Citibank, Kraft Foods, Burger King, General Electric, Toshiba, Arby's, and many others. And in 1999, Jim started what is now ESW Story Lab Marketing, a branding agency that has been named to the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing independent companies in the U.S. three years straight. Then three years ago, Jim wrote a best-selling award-winning book titled Story Branding, Creating Standout Brands Through the Power of Story. And I have, I'm going to give you some breaking news today, um, which is very exciting. Jim's book, Story Branding, was just awarded the 2015 International Book Awards for Best Book in the Marketing Advertising Category. So, Jim, congratulations and welcome to Story Powered. Thank you. Thank you, Leanne. Yeah, that came as quite a surprise. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I'll take it. (laughs) Absolutely. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. So, tell us, what's your story? Tell us about how did you get hooked on story and and, uh, build your business where you are now? Well, I, I I, I hesitate to tell you the story because it is somewhat embarrassing, but but there's an important lesson in this story that was, uh, well, it was important to me, and hopefully it'll be important to uh, anybody listening to it. But uh, let me set the scene. It, it was the year 1999, and that happened to be the year that I started my agency. And we started out with one client, and by year two, I would tell people that we had grown 200%. And that's because we went from <laughs> one client to two. Um, neither of which were very profitable. So this whole owning my own business thing, doing my own thing, wasn't really working out to be as lucrative as I I thought it would be. And I often found myself, you know, eyes wide open in the middle of the night asking, geez, so why am I doing this again? Yeah, I hear you. (laughs) Then one, you've been there. One day (laughs) I, I, I get a call from a car dealer, a local car dealer who wants us to pitch his business. And uh, this is a car dealer who's known for doing a lot of what you might call homemade, low-budget, low-taste advertising. I'm sure you've seen the type where some 300-pound guy in a bad suit and a bad haircut is pointing (laughs) at you as he yells at the camera. Well, his... This was the 300-pound guy, and he he ended up every commercial by saying, and he was known for this, bad credit, no credit, no worries, call us today. (laughs) And uh, But he told me that he had just fired his old agency, and without going into specifics, he said, you know, I want advertising like what we're known for, advertising that is, and this is what he said, so bad, it's good. The wackier, the better. And then he asked, are you up for that? 
Well, now clearly we were on opposite ends of the spectrum as far as what makes good <laughs> advertising, but I quickly did the math in my head and, and I realized, boy, this could be pretty lucrative. So I said, yeah, yeah, sure, okay, why not? So what happened after that is a bit surreal. Um, two weeks later, we showed up at his location. We had our idea, our presentation all ready to go, and we're waiting in the showroom for him to show up when this guy in, a, in an orange suit, <laughs> it's an orange <laughs> jumpsuit, he walks through the door. It oh, looks no. like one of those suits they wear in prison. And, and he walks up to me and he asks for the address of the car that has to be repossessed. <gasps> So oh, no. I suddenly realized, oh, okay, a repo man. And I, I told him I wasn't the owner, but he should maybe wait with us. Uh, should be here in a few minutes. So he sat down. We waited together. And while we're wa- waiting, I asked him, how many cars do you repossess from this dealership, say, every month? And he's, oh, about four or five. So before I even had a chance to react, in comes the owner. Now you have to picture this. We're in the middle of winter here in Chicago. It's got to be about 10 below wind chill outside. This owner, he's about 60 years old. I already said he weighed 300 pounds. You see him walking from the parking lot into the showroom in a pair of gym shorts and a T-shirt. <laughs> and he, when he gets in, he tells us he's going to the gym to work out after a pitch, and he didn't want to change his clothes. So, so we launched right into our presentation in the middle of the showroom in front of this guy in his gym clothes, another guy who looks like he belongs in Sing Sing, and, and a few customers who just happened to be standing there, and I'm thinking, boy, if mom could only see me now. <laughs> so I'm watching one of our creative directors present the idea, and this, this was a guy who had spent much of his career working on really beautiful fashion advertising, glamorous models, fancy locations, you know, expensive productions, the whole bit. But, but he's the consummate team player, and he's going through this whole thing, uh, you know, for the sake of the agency. And he starts by introducing the idea that we had, which was, and here's the embarrassing part, but I got to tell you, it was, it, it was having a trained parrot appear in every commercial, and we called <laughs> the parrot CC. And CC would always be wearing this little Mexican sombrero, and he'd be in every commercial to punctuate everything the owner said in the commercial. So if the owner would say, now that's a great deal, the parrot would say, CC, senor, or now that's a low price, CC, senor, uh, and over time, we teach the parent to say other things besides CC, like, wow, or good golly, holy cow, whatever. You get the idea. <laughs> it was awful. But I, I, So I, I look over to the repo guy, and he's got this, I don't get it, look on his face, you know, eyebrows furrowed, and the owner stands up, however, and he says, I love it. When do we start? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, but... The next day, my conscience really got the better of me, and I decided not to take the business. I called him up, and I said, I'm sorry, we just we can't take the business. And, and uh, the reason I did that was I knew this account would help us pay some bills, a lot of bills. It, was, yeah. it, it could have been very lucrative. But right. long term, I knew that if I took on accounts like this and did advertising like we had proposed, my agency's brand would become associated with a kind of a, that kind of advertising, which is not what we believed in, nor was it advertising we really wanted to do. Instead, I made the decision to be a lot more selective and to make sure that we worked for clients doing the kind of advertising, the kind of work we were best at doing, and that we needed to find clients who shared our beliefs and hired us for reasons we wanted to be hired. It comes sense. really. It comes right down to the fact that unless we stood for something, we really stood for nothing. 
And that really began what ultimately became the basis for a philosophy that we ardently practice and a philosophy I espouse in my book, the idea that you've got to put up some guardrails around your brand to keep you from falling off the cliff and becoming something that you're not. And that's oh, my story, and I'm sticking to it. So. That's brilliant. Well, and it's a great story because I think that you just hit on, and that kind of ties in with the the emperor's new clothes thing, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of that piece around if if you're creating your brand and, and uh, you know, it it's really tempting. It is so tempting sometimes just to take anybody to pay the bills. And, and right now, like, you would be the CC senior man exactly. if you had done it, right? Yep. <laughs> That's not what you want. <laughs> That's not what you want your previous, your, your new clients to see the work that right. you've previously done. And, and, I, and I think that we can be forgived for, you know, forgiven rather for, um, you know, some things that we do in our early, in our early time of starting our businesses. But, um, well, you know, some things just stick too, with you, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's and and in terms of brand, then because I I'm wondering, you know, the the whole piece around brand. You're talking about guardrails. So what do you mean by that? Well, there's uh, you know there's a place between uh, or that that defines where you can work and where you can't work. You know what you can do and what you can't do, or what your uh, what's real and what's you know fiction. Um, and you've got to know what's real. You've got to, in this case, I need to, I need to come to grips with you know, the, 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 what I believed in um, and, and not try to be something that I wasn't just to make money. Yeah. Uh, so it's a matter of just, like I say, putting up some rails to keep you within, um, keep you on the right path. Right, and it and it does show, and I thank you for telling us that story too, because you have made a success of your business, and and so the you know for people who are listening who are either just starting or in their second or third year and going, I'm going to have to just start doing whatever. Um, it I think it's a great reminder to to hang in there as well. It it is it is, and I think uh, you know the more you believe, the more passionate you're going to be, and that's going to come out in the work and. Uh, uh, it's hard to get passionate about something you don't believe in, and it's that'll true. come out on the work as well. Yeah, that that's true, and 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 so you know, and probably maybe not going into some specifics, or maybe we can because they're popular. But there's a few brands that I'm looking at um, recently that they've let their guardrails down, and they seem to be floundering <laughs> quite a lot, uh, and and partly because they're driven by money and stakeholders, right? Right, exactly. Like if we look at McDonald's and and people like that, they're really struggling. Yeah, what we see oftentimes is, uh, you know, that you know, a, a, a client may see an opportunity to sell a given product because there's a new trend or, you know, people are, you know, this particular type of product or category of product is in high demand, regardless of the fact that the product has nothing to do with what their brand is all about. Right. Um, it's a matter of, again, looking at the money before the meaning, you know, of the brand. Yes. And, um, and typically... Uh, those things don't work out. Um, yeah. But, you know, there is that temptation. You're right. It's a temptation to uh, take, take hold of a, of a quick buck or, a, you know, a, a trend that's in your favor um, and to make the most of it. But ultimately, it hurts your image long term. Yeah. And so for you, I love how you put that and you put meaning before money rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, so for you, how did you get to story from, you know, 
from the talking parrot and the waking up the next moment, next morning and thinking, no, that's not us. How did you get to story? Because that was early days. I mean, we're talking a lot about story now, but you were in there early. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the evolution of story branding came about as as a as a, a process. You know, we were just trying to figure out how do we want to, uh, you know, when we're given an assignment, how would we go about approaching that assignment? And what we ended up with is this thing we refer to as story branding, which is both a belief and a practical approach developed for marketers of all shapes and sizes. It doesn't matter. It's a process designed to help one find, develop, and know how to sell their most authentic story, the one that's going to do the most to build a brand over time. And it's based on the fact that one of the functional roles of any story is to convey beliefs, values, or theories about what works and what doesn't work uh, in life. I mean, that's really the basis for every story. And, and the way it does this is through a protagonist who sets out to overcome obstacles in order to achieve some goal. That's really the scaffolding or the structure of just about every story. In fact, right. it, is, it is really what a story, how a story is formed. And by virtue of what happens to that protagonist and how he or she sets out to achieve his or her goal, there's always something unsaid that speaks to us more loudly and with greater impact than if it were expressed explicitly. I think this is one of the reasons why stories are so powerful. They don't tell us what to think. They instead give us something to think about. So in another way, they lead us to the water, but they don't force us to drink it. Yeah, absolutely. So from the start, we start with, you know, we see the brand as the hero, not the prospect. And I sometimes get a little pushback on that because we've all been brought up to believe in marketing that, you know, the customer is king and the prospect should be the hero. But um, it, this is a different way than what we've been taught. But as you saw in my own situation, if we relinquish responsibility for our prospects to decide what our brand stands for, we, we really run the risk of becoming something we're not or something we simply cannot be. That's when we run off the road. That's when we run over the guardrails. And uh, we see the brand, then, as we should any protagonist, driven by some inner belief or value to believe, uh, to behave in certain ways, similar to humans who do what they do because of some belief. Beliefs and values are really the engine behind all of our behaviors, uh, and those come out in the protagonist's actions, uh, and in this case, the brand's actions. So, you know, a brand that's always changing, a brand that's always changing its advertising approach every year doesn't know what its story is. And the story they tell us, because every brand tells us a story, regardless if it's trying to or not. The, right. the, the story that that brand tells us is similar to the story that's told of, say, one day I decide to show up at work in a suit, and the next day, uh, you know, I look like I just walked out of a goth costume uh, right. uh, yeah. party. It, 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 that's an exaggerated example to make the point that inconsistency says something to us about brands, uh, just as it tells us something about people. Another fault of brands is to believe that what they did is, is to uh, communicate the story about being one thing or believing in one thing but practicing another. We see this all the time. We often see brands that stress how good their service is or how friendly their people are, uh, which can be a very risky proposition when you don't have hiring practices or uh, the training in place to assure that that's true. Yes. So 
So, you know, the challenge is really to do what successful brands do, and that is to align your beliefs to first know what your beliefs are to, and then to align them with your actions. Perfect. Thank you, Jim. So we're going to go to a, a break right now, but that's a perfect lead into the next segment where we're going to be talking to Jim about um, story branding and, and how story contributes to the brand or builds the brand and and also get a little bit on um, talking a little bit about characters and archetypes. So um, so that's a great start to our conversation. Thank you, Jim. And we're um, it's I am Liam Pico and this is Story Powered. You're listening to us on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want more story, you can sign up for my monthly story blast at verygoodstories.com. I'd love to connect with you and we'll be back very soon. business you'll find the experts here voice america business network activate and grow your storytelling superpower with leanne pico of very good stories stories inspire stories engage and stories move people to action it's pretty powerful stuff story coach leanne pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader build a more powerful brand or create a team of storytelling powerhouses you can email leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com contact leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower from the boardroom to you voice america business network Listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hey, welcome back. Thanks so much for sticking with us. I am delighted that we are chatting today with Jim Signorelli, founder and CEO of ESW Story Lab and author of the award winning and uh, newly awarded 2015 international book for marketing and um, called Story Branding. Highly recommend that you get that and you can get it at um, on Amazon.com and I think if you go check out Jim's website you can get it there too. So before the break we were talking about Jim shared his story uh, where he started which was a really great reminder to me. I was just telling him in the break that I often uh, tweak my messaging and go back into my, I play with my brand a little bit too much sometimes and it was a really great message for me and I'm sure for all of you around, you know, and uh, the concept of guardrails and, and putting up your guardrails in terms of who are you, what do you stand for, and, and staying right there, um, and that it does come. So we're going to talk now about, there's a, an interesting question that I'm sure some of you are asking from the first section, which is, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about storytelling. And um, what I loved about uh, Jim's approach is, because um, I've seen a lot of marketing stuff around storytelling, and, and sometimes it's not a story that is coming out, and it's a little frustrating because it's kind of, we're, we're all getting a little bit confused. Um, so I love Jim's approach, and um, wanted to ask you, Jim, what's the difference between storytelling and story branding? Uh, I love that question. <laughs> um, especially now because storytelling really is, if you're in marketing or uh, hang out in marketing circles, you've no doubt heard a lot about storytelling because it's now marketing's new hammer and everything looks like a nail. Right. Um, <laughs> it's tell a story, tell a story. Well, 
I'm not going to take anything away from storytelling because it is a very, very powerful communication technique and for the reasons I, I stated earlier, but it is a technique, and, and that's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a way of expressing a point of view. Um, story branding isn't about the execution of the message. It is about deciding what the message should be, and it draws on story structure to help get at what that message should be. The same way an author sits down to write a book and deciding what, you know, what in fact should be communicated through that book before just, you know, putting pen to paper or fingers to keyboards uh, yeah. to figure out, you know, how the story should be told. It's a very different thing, but it belongs to the same family. Story branding belongs to the same family as story. Uh, and storytelling, but it is 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 more strategic than executional. Right, right, and I think that um, I love how you've just put that because uh, for me as a story coach, I don't do branding, but I do work with my clients around um, finding and honing that kind of core story of theirs. And um, sometimes that's the challenge for people is that they're so worried about what other people think and what other people are wanting that they find it challenging to have a core story, which is again, why I like your, the story branding is that it's built from the story rather than the trying to fit the story into what you think everybody else wants to hear. Yeah. And the other thing I should probably say is I don't think story necessarily is relegated to, uh, you know, once upon a time there was, this happened and then this changed and here's the resolution. It doesn't necessarily have to flow that way. I think, you know, brands are symbols of stories that, you know, that, that, uh, that tell people uh, things about the people that own them. I mean, think about Mercedes. Uh, you see somebody driving down the street with his Mercedes. Uh, there's a story about that person, the kind of person that uh, a Mercedes driver is based on your experiences, <laughs> based on your perception yeah. of, of that particular brand. Well, so, and I have a I have a story about that kind of driver, but I won't go into that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but you know, I, and, you're totally and basically, right. we totally we right. choose the cars and our clothes and a lot of the the brands that we select because of the stories that they will tell others about who we are. Um, and uh, so, so to tell a story, I guess my point is, you don't have to necessarily think in terms of traditional story structure, uh, although we do think of that when we're looking at, you know, story branding as a strategic tool, but the, in the end, a story is what's output from what the story needs to communicate or what somebody needs to communicate about themselves. Yeah, and that's the thing, and like you say, I like how you you frame storytelling as a technique, and, and you know, a lot of the folks that I've spoken to around storytelling and, and kind of using it in leadership and le- using it in um, consumer engagement and, and, and things like that is that, you know, they often do follow a structure, but partly because... It's a way of it's a way of speaking to people, but like you say, when you're talking about brand, it's a way of living. Exactly, it's actions. Uh, it's, yeah, it's what's shown, not just what's said. Right. Uh, in fact, what somebody I don't know how they ever measured this, but and I'm not sure what the exact percentage is, but was it 92 or 93 percent of our communication is nonverbal? So, right. um, whether it's that exact number, we know it's pretty big. And it's the way we 
stand, the way we look, our voice quality, our you know the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with, um, the cars we drive, all of those things. Yeah, tell stories true. about ourselves. Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to ask you, because you recently did a uh, a really great blog posting, which um, a lot of people really enjoyed and, and shouted hooray about, which was, um, so Jim wrote this uh, blog posting about challenging the idea of that why drives everything. And, and so your point of view, Jim, was that um, what is feeling neglected and, and sad. Um, and, <laughs> and you wrote the blog from the point of view of what, which was really fun and why I think a lot of people really enjoyed it because you're kind of taking a poke at the idea of the, the, the concept of, of why being everything. So tell us a little bit more about the what, because you're, you're talking about, again, when we're talking about brand, you know, like we say, you live in it, it's all the choices you make about who you are. And so when you're, you know, as a business person, you're talking about your website, you're talking about, you know, how you speak, you're talking about the kind of work you do, the kind of clients you take on, all of that kind of stuff. And and so Simon Sinek's point of view is that a lot of businesses focus way too much on the on the what and that they need to really focus on the why. And so now everybody's jumped on that bus, on the why bus. Right. And, and you're saying, hey, wait, we do still have a what bus. So... Tell us a bit more about that. Well, and understand that I have a lot of respect for Simon Sinek and what he's done and how he's raised awareness that uh, brands need to have a purpose, uh, that you can't just talk about your what and expect people to get excited, okay? But I think today it went just a little too far, and there was one quote that uh, particularly... um, bothered me and that was that people don't buy what you sell they buy why you sell it and I thought that was just overreaching a little bit that people do buy what you sell they also buy why you sell it and the two of those really are the reason why people buy you can't have a why without a what and you can't have a what without a why Um, you've got to have both working uh, in sync with one another so this whole blog was written from, you know, as if what were a person and right, claiming, yeah. hey, what have, what have feelings too, you know. And <laughs> yeah. it was just to point out that, you know, that um, what you do or how you do it, 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 don't diminish that, don't diminish its importance. Uh, in fact, it, it is the most important manifestation or action taken to demonstrate your why or what you believe in. You know, Apple wouldn't be, uh, Apple's why is uh, we, we, we want to change the status quo, we, you know, uh, think different, we're crazy enough to change the world. I mean, all of those things kind of come together to explain why Apple exists. But if Apple didn't demonstrate that in its products, in its innovations, uh, in its appearance, in its designs, then the why wouldn't matter. So... You really have to have, again, you've got to have the why or the what as the proof of the why uh, or else, you know. In fact, I I just saw a commercial. I don't know if you've seen it. I won't name the name of the brand, uh, frankly, because I can't even remember the name of the brand. But it was about 25 seconds of a family on a farm, um, and maybe you've seen this, where they're they're having fun together and they're, I don't know, they're milking cows and doing all kinds of things on the farm. And it's this happy family, and it's all smiles. And then in the last five seconds, there's a picture of the yogurt 
brand that they're selling oh. with a theme line that says, get the good life or something. I, I can't remember. Right. The wow. But that was the extreme of too much why and not enough yeah. what. You know, yeah. I mean, okay, yeah. I, I buy the why, but I, I, there's a disconnect going on here between yeah. you know, why you exist and what you're selling. And what's, what is it? And, and you're kind of hanging around waiting, and again, maybe not with anticipation to buy it, but maybe with irritation because you don't know what they're selling. Yeah, and when you get there, you go, what? That's the <laughs> Yogurt. So, yeah. Well, and that's, it's true. It's, it's, a, it's a fine line. And, and, you know, going back to the Apple example, it's um, if they didn't have beautifully designed high-quality things that they, you know, and, you know, even things like that they're white and they're, you know, it's kind of the way they presented their brand to the market right. and the way they presented their stuff, it all worked beautifully together. Exactly. But like you say, it wouldn't work if we're going to be different, but we're selling shoddy equipment like it just it would have fallen flat it wouldn't be where it is for sure right so i'm not for divorcing oneself from the importance of what i guess that's that was the whole yeah yeah my my article it's being careful yeah and it's also it is but it is and and that's the bit i think that um you know again we need to swing back a little way because uh for me i just i feel like the why is fabulous and it is sometimes a purchasing decision based on you know the story and you know like sometimes people they just like the way the company is whether it's more environmentally concerned or local or whatever the story is however um you know I think we all need to still be working to great quality service or products. And so, again, you know, spending all of our time making sure that our why is cool and and attractive to everybody and then forgetting to put it into production is is worrying. Yeah, I should say one other thing, too, and that is that the what and the why, the importance of the what and the why varies depending on where the brand is in in its life cycle. Right. You know, if if a brand is a product, a branded product is brand new, uh, never been seen before, does something that no other product has ever done before. Um, you know, you have to spend a lot of time on the what. Yes. Um, but when a brand matures and where there are now substitutes and alternative brands that do similar things, that's when I think the why becomes especially more important. They're both important throughout the life cycle, but. Yes. I think in the beginning, what becomes more important than why, and at the end, or as a brand matures, I should say, is when why becomes more important. Absolutely. And, you know, and we can just to go back to the Apple example and follow it through, which is for me, the challenge around we're new and different and we're rebellious, etc. is that, you know, I actively and I I love Apple's stuff and I, I do buy it, but I do giggle when I think oh yeah we're very different and standing in line with thousands of other people because the ipad 6 or whatever has come out and like look at us we're all so different all standing waiting for it (laughs) wearing our wet our our white earbuds and yeah (laughs) yeah exactly right it's kind of like at what point will the penny drop that perhaps you know they're the mainstream now and so then what will they do you know it i'm i'm anxious i'm interested to see what they'll do then uh, and how they'll pivot, you know, their their why and where that'll go. I mean, maybe they won't ever have to, but it's intriguing because it's kind of you kind of feel silly 
um, standing in the, you know, because they even they have those um, theater style things they set up as soon as there's a new product launching and they've got police, like they've got whole systems for dealing with crowds of people wanting to be rebellious and buy a new product. So, so in terms of, we haven't talked about, we got about three minutes until break. So I want to get into, um, tell us about archetypes and how you use them in story branding. Well, the idea behind archetypes is really a very old one, believe it or not. Uh, it has its origins in ancient Greece, but there was a psychologist by the name of Carl Jung, J-U-N-G is how it's spelled, and he's famous for a psychological practice appropriately called Jungian psychology. And in fact, he, dis- he came out with the idea that archetypes describe different human motives, if you will. They explain universal motivations or the drives behind behavior. Now, there are plenty of archetypes, but Jung described 12 basic types, and I'm not going to go into all 12, but let me just zero in on a few examples to give you a taste for what this is all about. One of the archetypes is called the explorer, and the explorer believes in the freedom to seek out new experiences, always experimenting to discover new things, different facets of life, um, you know, Jeep or North Face uh, come to mind as brands that are explorer brands. Then there's the Rebel. The Rebel's motivated. Uh, it, it, this is a, a, the person who uh, believes that rules are made to be broken. Uh, this is someone who zigs when others are zagging, someone who fierce, who's fiercely independent, living life according to his or her own rules. Can you describe a brand that fits that persona? Oh, yeah, that'll be Apple. Well, I, yeah, it could oh, be. Oh, maybe but not. I, I think more uh, in terms of Harley Davidson. They, I oh, think yeah. They yep, fit that to the T. In fact, they built yep. their whole brand around that yeah, yeah. motif. And then there's the creator, which maybe more Apple, I right. think, is motivated to create things. And during the, some, someone's highly creative, always trying to make the world a better place through their right. creations, whatever. But yeah. there are 12 of these. Uh, protector, regular guy, jester, champion, sage, it goes on and on. In effect, they're like metaphors that we use to help us zero in on what a brand is all about. If you ask somebody, and the reason we do this is if you ask someone what their brand stands for, chances are pretty good that they're going to tell you something about some functional benefit, like, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, uh, we stand for quality, we last longer, uh, so people don't have to replace us that often, we provide great service, value, whatever, which is more about their what than their why, okay? Yeah. And we're interested in the what, but we, and people are really good at expressing that, but when you ask them why they do what they do, uh, that's where they run into difficulties. And, me- and these metaphors or archetypes help them to express it. So we don't live by any fast and firm rules as to, you know, there's one archetype for every brand. We use them more, as, more or less as triggers to get people talking and to help them to understand how they, their why is really different than somebody else's perhaps. Nice. Nice. And so in terms of, we've got about a minute, I think, until break, but how... How useful is it to get, I'm just wondering if somebody pegs themselves the explorer and stays there. I mean, how do you get people to, like, can they move between the archetypes? Uh, I think so over time, but, but um, you know, what we try to do is we find some value that's been there for a long time that is subscribed to, that is inherent within the, the brand itself and continues to be that way. Um, and and that, that is going to be enduring. 
You know, we're not looking to change, you know, the direction of the brand belief system every year. Uh, right. You know, we're looking for something that's fundamentally there, and it, 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 it always is. I mean, it's there. Uh, it may be confused. It may be hidden under a lot of benefits. Uh, it may be uh, hidden behind politics. I mean, but there's a, there's a reason why every business has, was started beyond yeah. the reason for you know, making a profit. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And I love that because that's the bit that I always, you know, talk to people about is, is and that's the kind of the fundamental story of, of like you say, what are your values? What, what are you trying to do in the world? So right. thank you for that, Jim. So we're going to go to a break. You're listening to Story Powered with me, Liam Pico, and my guest, Jim Signorelli. And Jim is with ESW Story Lab, and he is the author of Story Branding, which you can get on Amazon. And you can also check out um, Jim and his company's uh, website at eswstorylab.com. So after the break, we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about how to um, story brand. And and Jim's going to give us a little bit of the how as to how do we get started in, in thinking this way and thinking a little differently. So coming back soon. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com. Or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hello, welcome back. I'm Leanne Pico, and I am chatting with Jim Signorelli of ESW Story Lab. And I also want to let you know that Jim is also, he has a personal website you can check out, which is storybranding.expert. And Jim is a consultant. He does consulting and he also does workshops and speaking. So if you're a company wanting to, or, or a group wanting to have a great speaker or having a, a workshop around story branding or around, um, you know, what, some of the things that Jim's talking about today, make sure you contact him there at Jim Signorelli Consulting. So we were talking before the break about archetypes and I could talk about them, them all day because I'm a little story obsessive and I love um, digging into stuff like that. And I, I think it's a really fun exercise to think about, um, you know, if you 
think about what who your who your brand is and who your organization is. And um, as Jim was saying, it's kind of a tool. It's not a, a kind of an all definer, but it kind of enables you to keep the enduring piece together around who you are. So I'm just wondering, Jim. So in terms of the how, so how does I mean, how do you work with clients, and how does somebody? I mean, say somebody wants to consider the idea of doing some story branding themselves. Obviously, they can come to you, but also is there a process that you could share around how to get ourselves into the mindset of story branding? Sure. Well, I guess the operative word is how do we help clients build a story? Because we don't believe it's our job to create the story. Rather, it's to take what's there, to find what's there, to help them find what's there, and to make the most of it. So ours is really more of a, a discovery process. And instead of trying to find out what keeps them up at night, we try to find out what gets our clients up in the morning. Oh, I love it. So, so, so what are the intangible rewards for them to do businesses, business the way they do it? And that starts, you know, that starts to give us some clues. Right. Um, some clients are very good at expressing those rewards. Others are not. And for those that are, um, we dig right in to make sure that why they do what they do is both important to their target consumers and is evidenced in, in what they do. Somebody may, for instance, love to make buggy whips, for instance, uh, simply because he believes that we're all better off riding horses than driving cars. <laughs> but in that case, we'd make certain that this person knows that the market for buggy whips isn't really big these days. And no. if necessary, we would suggest a different way to express is for I believe maybe you know selling saddles or other forms of horse tack yes. to, to people uh, who love to ride horses. I don't know, right. um, but there would be a case where somebody really believes in something, but it happens to be not too important to too many people. But for the client who isn't very good at articulating his or her why, we'll administer a, a research technique that really helps them to get at some of the archetypal underpinnings of their business. Now, we administer this research uh, to managers of the business, employees, and key customers to see what they see as the brand story, how, what, what is actually being evidenced. Right. Um, and we use you know, picture sorts and nonverbal techniques to really get to uh, you know, what that archetypal expression is. And sometimes it, it juts right out at us where all three groups agree that's what this brand stands for. In other cases, uh, and in most cases, I should say, um, that's not the case. Uh, we need to do, uh, what we need to do in that case is really meet with management, help them to see the inconsistencies across the various targets, and to help them to arrive at the most authentic story that they could support, the one that's going to do them the most good long-term with their constituents, employees, customers, what have you. And then we work out you know, how, in fact, we're going to demonstrate that belief, how we're going to translate that why into a what. Um, you know, so it's, it, it can be, that can be a, a longer process. It can be long or short. Um, you know, and we don't go in with any uh, definitive, uh, you know, uh, we've got to do this research kind of a, an approach. I mean, we, we really assess the situation, put together what we call the backstory to help us understand more about what's transpired over the previous years and where they're headed. And then we recommend an approach or a prescription, if you will, for, for finding that story that we're all going to build together. 
right nice and so then if so you find the story and everybody's good with that so then what is the front facing work to be done so you know and I guess I'm going to say it in two ways because my my thing is always about um you know, we, we kind of do this work and then, and then, you know, the communications guy knows about it. Um, and so oh, I'm wondering yeah. what the, what, <laughs> what's oh, the internal good. work and what's well, the front facing work? One of the things work? we do, I mean, there's a few, few ways I could answer that, but the shortest, yeah. best answer I could give you is one of the things we do is we write what's called an I am statement. And I talk a lot about this in the book and how to write them. And basically it's a mini, bio, mini autobiography of the brand talking to the, uh, the brand's prospects. And in turn, there's a prospect I am statement, which is a mini autobiography of the prospect talking back to the brand. It's because ultimately what we're trying to do is establish a relationship between the two. Whereas the prospect may say, you know, I believe this, and the brand says, well, you know, I believe this too. In fact, here's, here's what I'm doing to support that belief, what have you. But Can you give us that, an example that of that? sort of the manifesto, if you will, for the brand. Right. And it's distributed throughout the company. In fact, we've written I am statements for HR departments, oh. uh, which is like an offshoot of the brand's I am statement to help the HR department decide you know, who they should hire, the, the type of people that they should be attracting, uh, as well as the training that ought to be in place to support the uh, the, the brand's persona. Uh, oh, I love it. I love it because that's it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy because all these employees are they're brand ambassadors and it's such a missed opportunity when they're not equipped. Yeah, that's why I, I, I really uh, I, I look askance at uh, being called an advertising agency because advertising is such a small part of what a brand's image is comprised of. Um, If it's not, uh, if it's one thing to come up with this story, but if you're not building advocacy for that story within uh, within the company, uh, you know it's all for naught. You're just wasting time and money. If your people aren't going to get behind it, if they don't know what it is, they don't know how to support it, they don't know, you know, where the guardrails are <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. themselves, yeah. then uh, you're going to have a, you know, you're going to be sending out mixed messages or conflicting messages uh, that are in fact going to add confusion to who you are and what you support. Right. right. And and so, can you give us an example? Because I'm just saying it might be easier for people to understand. Like, what's an example of an I am statement for a brand, and then one for a persona? Oh my gosh. Um, well, let's see. Uh, I don't have one in front of me. Sorry, but I'm putting I can, you on the spot. Yeah, I could, I could <laughs> maybe make one up here. Well, I won't make it up. I'll, I'll give you a, what I recall of when we wrote for a restaurant that we worked with, uh, the Cozy Restaurants, which are big, uh, big out east, um, and they, um, uh, it's a, it's a competitor of, of Panera, and it's a fat, you know, in the fast casual category, and they were in a place we really didn't know too much about, you know. The why. I mean, they, they did, but they didn't. Um, and, uh, you know, so we did this research, and what we found out was that Cozy really is very well associated with the explorer archetype, okay? This right. is one of those rare cases where it really came down to one archetype. Very rare that this happens. But clearly, when we looked at their menu and whether we did these blind 
uh, menu test, and we said, okay, who's, what kind of a person would go to the restaurant that has a menu like this? And they, they described this as a, someone who would maybe go on vacation to exotic places. They wouldn't go to Las Vegas or Disney World. They'd go to Iceland or Paris <laughs> right. or, you know, somebody who really was into exploring new things, new tastes, new textures, right. because their menu was very international. So um, that, you know, we wrote an I am statement for them that basically said that, you know, that we're, you know, we are always looking for new things. We, we believe that life should be delicious. That was, in effect, the theme line that we came up with. Oh, you know, that's awesome. That, I that, love it. Uh, that you should really be trying to find new things and add spice to your life by try, through new experiences. And, and, and for the I am statement for the, uh, the, 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 the prospect, you know, we basically said, you know, I'm someone who's always looking for new ways to, to live better, you know, and new experiences that are going to help me know more about myself, and I'm always trying new things and what have you. So, right. you know, everybody in the company could see that this is the relationship that we're trying to achieve, you know, between who we are and the kind of people we're trying to attract. Right. Um, you know, the, the I am statement's a lot longer than that, a little more in-depth, uh, but basically that's, that's how it works. That's fantastic. And that's a, that's, a, that's a really great example. Thank you. I know I totally put you on the spot there, but <laughs> you pulled it off. That was a really good, the life should be delicious. I love, See, for me now, I'm just like, when I go out east, I'm going there because I just, I love the idea of, you know, trying new things and, and I can see how it would attract people. I just love it. I think that's great. And it personalizes, right? Like that's the thing is that I think sometimes people think branding and, and again, like that you have to be so clever, you have to be really tricky with people. But in actual fact, it's, it's clarity that really helps you to sell, right? Right. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I mean, you want to be, you don't want to, um, you want to be somewhat provocative, I guess, in the way you express yourself. Um, but at the same time, you want to make sure that the way you express yourself is something that you really believe in and that you can fully support. Yeah. Um, that's, that's critical. You and like you say, and that you're all day long. That's why we say we don't create yeah. stories, we build them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, again, the crucial part, which I love that you do and which takes it beyond the advertising, because I, I try very hard not to use that either, is, is the living it and the, and the, the internal folks. And again, you know, some of the companies that do that really well, like you got Zappos, you got Apple, you got all sorts of companies who are, and Google, like you, you've got people who are actually living the brand. Um, and, and, you know, and so they tell their friends and they tell, you know, because we, I always tell employers, your employees are telling stories, whether you like them or not, <laughs> they are telling stories. So right. um, why not yours? Right. You know, so, right. yeah. That's amazing. I think it goes for business to business brands as well as consumer. Business to business is always. Oh yeah. yeah. They're they're they go right to. They typically go right to the rational claim. You know, right. Uh, we lessen downtime and uh, we give you more, you know, low cost of operation and those kinds of things. Yeah. But you know they need they need to understand that they're selling to human beings just as consumer goods are. <laughs> um, oh, and I that human beings agree. are, you know, uh, gravitate, you know, and, and, and are attracted to, um, you know, beliefs and values that are shared. 
That's how relationships are formed. Every relationship is formed on the basis of shared beliefs and values. So if you want one, you've got to put out what you believe and what you value in order to attract people that uh, are similar. Absolutely, and thank you for clarifying that on the B2B front because I think that that is, is something that a lot of consultants and a lot of people who go into a B2B relationship forget. And, you know, they are human. Other people are human. And, and often, the, you know, it's one decision maker, one purchasing person mm-hmm. who makes a decision and they do it based on whether they like you or not. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, or that's what whether it comes down to. They, can, they trust you. Trust you, even better. That's right. That's right. Well, Jim, thank you so much. We're actually in the last uh, bit of the show. So um, really enjoyed talking to you and, and really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom and, and um, your, your thoughts around story branding. And congratulations on your, on your award-winning book as well. Oh, thank you very much. This was fun. Thank you. It was fun. We'll have to have you again. Okay. Thank you. So thanks again to Jim Signorelli of ESW Story Lab. And Jim is also available. Um, he offers consulting himself at storybranding.expert. And you can get his book, Story Branding, at amazon.com. So, um, and I highly recommend it because, again, it, it's t- it, it actually brings, uh, it makes it easy for you to understand branding and how to personalize it with a story. So please tune in to next week's show as well when I'll be talking to Stephanie Sims of Financeability about shaping and sharing your story to attract investors. This will be take two. Unfortunately, I had a back injury last week, so I wasn't able to do the show. So Stephanie very patiently um, has scheduled us in again for next week, and I'm looking forward to that. And don't forget to sign up for my weekly story blast at Very Good Story com get uh, story coaching tips more story resources all sorts of things to share your impact with story so story powered is on every tuesday at 1 p.m eastern time and 10 a.m pacific on the voice america business channel thank you for joining me liam pico and story powered i'll see you next week with more story thank you for joining us this week for story powered Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level.